can be seated. Man, you know, when, when we're quiet, I can tell, it was the same with the earlier service, it, it's kind of odd because we're never still and quiet. <laughs> and when that happens, I love those moments because we're having to consider what we're feeling and thinking, and we rarely, we rarely take the time to do that. And that is so much of what worship is. And you're so smart to establish a rhythm of worship. I just want you to know that. I know it's probably hard if you're here today at one of our campuses. I know it was difficult. The enemy doesn't want you to come to worship. But God made you to worship. And if you don't worship him, you're going to worship something else. Now, how many of you watched the Alabama-Texas game this weekend? You watched that. Yeah. Any Texas fans here? None? Great. Uh, one? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, well, here, here's, the, here's the thing. You know, I got to thinking about that. Did, did you see the crowd? I mean, the crowd was going berserk. They were rabid. I mean, they were just hollering and screaming. And, you know, a guy was taking his shirt off. And they were just whipping, you know. It was unbelievable. And I said, you know, that's what worship looks like. I mean, worship looks like you giving all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your money to something you're putting your trust in. Then I thought, what is a longhorn steer? I mean, that, that is nothing but a cow that's been neutered. So here you are giving all of your life to a neutered cow. And I just thought that was funny. I mean, like, I don't know if you think it's funny, but I think it's funny because you will give your life to something. And if you're not careful, it won't be the God who made the heavens and the earth. This morning when I was coming in, it was still like dark. And I don't know if you were up this morning real early. Did you see the moon this morning? I mean, like there was a moon out there, like there was this North Star. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, I get to worship the God who made that. That the God who made that wants a relationship with me is unbelievable. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes, and we're going to talk about for a few weeks, is cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is developing a deeper friendship with Jesus, okay? And, and this is really not, I mean, this is not a deep thing. I mean, it's just the reality. Not everybody who understands who God is is a follower of Jesus, that you begin to say in your relationship with him, hey, search me and know me and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Now you say, well, what does that look like? I mean, you know, I, that's great. I've heard that Psalm before, Psalm 139. What does it look like? Well, I was reading through our devotion. If you have not downloaded our app I mean, God help you, because it is so easy to do, and you get all the devotions. You, you get to take, like, the seven steps of discipleship test. We've had over a 1,000 people take that test, and I'm going to retake it because I'm working on some things in my life. And, man, it is so, so, so good. But reading through uh, the devotions, I came across Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38 is just this offside comment from Peter about the life of Jesus, the way Jesus lived. So we're going to connect the series, the way Jesus lived, the way in the spiritual disciplines to cultivating those disciplines so that we can follow Jesus. Acts 10.38 says that Jesus was anointed with power and the Holy Spirit, and he went around, get this, building people up and setting people free from the devil. Now, that's what I want to do with my life. 
Like, I want to be anointed with the Spirit of God and with power. And I want to go around building people up. Now, a lot of times I'm getting negative and cynical and critical, but I want to build people up, and I want to see people set free from the devil. You say, well, I don't believe in the devil. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you, Jesus did. Uh, Jesus had a conversation with him. Or if you know that, if you read through the Bible, Jesus had a conversation with the devil. He fasted for 40 days. I go through one day by that night, and I'm just like so hungry. And so he gets through with 40 days, and the devil comes at him and says, Hey, I know you're hungry, bro. Why don't you make these stones into bread? He is tempting him with comfort and pleasure. You, don't, you, don't we love that? I mean, like, hey, I'll just eat this right now. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't just live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then he says, hey, I want you to throw yourself off the temple and fly around and everybody will follow you and you'll be popular. And he says, hey, 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 no, worship the, uh, worship the Lord God only. He's the only one you worship. Then he says, hey, if you will kneel down and worship me, I will give you all of these kingdoms. You'll have total power and control. Now, now think about that. 1 John 5, 19 says that the whole world is under the power of the enemy. And he is saying, if you will worship me, I will give you everything. And it's a lie. You, you say, well, I, don't, I never see the devil. I don't know what the devil's like. Well, some of you have been married to the devil. I mean, that's what you call them. You, well, I was married to the devil. I mean, you know, uh, she's a devil. I mean, you talk about it all the time. They've got to be out there somewhere. You know, John 10, 10 says that the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And you say, well, what does it look like? Well, it looks like every 10 seconds, there's a thousand selfies that are uploaded to Instagram. That means 5,000 didn't make it. Every 11 seconds, someone in America takes their life. 750,000 plus will overdose on drugs. You, you telling me there's not an enemy out there? 21 years ago, 19 men from four different countries flew planes into buildings and killed 2,977 innocent people. Listen, we're in a war. We're in a spiritual war and the enemy is out to get you and your family and your marriage and your health and everything else. You say, that's just being so weird. No, we just, what we need, what we really need is we just need better schools. If we can educate people and if we can give them, we can give them better jobs. And if we can give them better health care and if we can take away their guns, everything will be great. Just like Nazi Germany in the 40s where they incinerated 6 million people. Listen, the war that's going on around you is a war that's also going on inside you. And today I want to look at that in Romans chapter 7. It is Paul saying, hey, even though I'm writing a bunch of the books of the Bible, there is still a part of me that the devil wants control of. And he's going to say, before you deal with the devil that's out there, you may want to deal with the devil that's in here. And the reason it's so hard when we get quiet and we get still and you have time to think and you can kind of hear God or feel God move is he's pointing some things out to you, search me and know me, and he's searching you and knowing you, and all of a sudden you're going, oh my goodness, we need to be busy. We need to get up, we need to go. We need to talk, we need to do something, we need to pray, we need to sing, we need to move. Because he's pointing out things in your life that the enemy is using to hurt you, that you think he's using to help you.
So Romans chapter 7, verse 14, Paul says, and you gotta, if you have the app, you can read this, all the scriptures there for you and the points. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. Have you ever said that? Like, I don't want to, I just, I don't want to do that. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who does it, but it's the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature or my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I don't know, uh, if I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing it. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I'm the, the one doing it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work in me, although I want to do good, evil is right here with me, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this, this civil war that's going on in my body that's subject to death? And then he says in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my flesh a slave to the law of sin. You're like, what does all that mean? So I don't read the Bible. It just sounds so confusing. I don't understand what it means. Well, the first thing Paul is saying is before you come to know Jesus Christ, you are dead spiritually. Now, now, let that sink in because you probably have never heard that. I mean, we live in an age where, where you don't hear that. I used to take it for granted that you knew that. But people don't know that. Listen, just because you were created by God doesn't mean you're a child of God. You said, well, wait a minute. I was baptized when I was a baby, and I, 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 there was catechism, and, uh, you know, I went through this class, and then a new member class, and then, then I went over to Easter. I went over here and did this, and then I had this, put this thing around me and, and all that. No, 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 no. If you've not been born again internally where your heart and mind has been changed by the gospel, you are not a child of God. Matter of fact, I'm not going to go into this, but Paul would say in Romans, you're an enemy of the cross of Christ. Now, that's getting a little too bold. I don't think you're ready for that yet. We've got to kind of wade into it. But the reality is, just because you know about Jesus, just because you, you know about the Bible, just because you go to church, that does not make you a Christ follower. You have to be born again. Religion won't do it. We, we, we all know there's a code of ethics. In every, even in prisons, you know, if you, no, no snitches without... Stitches, you've all been to prison. Yeah, see, I mean, you, you get that. There's a code, you know, like even they have a code. Like, like uh, you, you don't wear white after Labor Day. Right, you don't wear white after Labor Day. I just like to kick. Thank you. She's got, you're going to watch. She's, yeah, white. You don't wear white. So, so you're, they're, they're, they're codes that you have. You think, if I just keep that code, I'm okay. No, no, no. You can't keep the rules and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to confess my best days are like filthy rags. And what I need is to be saved. I am separated from God. I can't make it to God by any kind of works, by any kind of like keeping the balances, by trying to do some good things, outweighing the bad things. No, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And if that's not enough, he's in the Ten Commandments. We forget about the Tenth one. Do you know what the Tenth Commandment was? I was looking at that this week. you know what the Tenth Commandment is? Thou shalt not covet. Have you ever desired to have more of what you already have? 
course you have. I have too. Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 8, the eye never gets enough seeing. The ear never gets enough hearing. It's like you're always looking for more, and you're always looking for more, and you're always looking for more. It's like a zombie going through life, just consuming things. Oh, if I get this job, if I get that car, if I get this house, oh, if I, if I lose 20 pounds, oh, if I get that, if I get that, then I'll be happy. You're like a zombie. Listen, before you come to know Jesus Christ, you have no spiritual power. It's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and you go back and forth, and you go, you go back and forth. You, you'll be good on Sunday, or you'll be good you know, for Easter. You'll be good you know, in front of your parents. And then all of a sudden, you're Mr. Hidden or Mrs. Hidden, where you kind of go to another level and go to another level. Then you pull yourself back, and then one day, Mr. Hyde takes over. Now listen, even when you come to know Jesus, that challenge doesn't go away. Now that's the bad news. But the good news, you have power through Jesus Christ. And that, and that when, when you have those struggles because you're a new person in Christ, you have power to overcome those things. You may not always choose that. But when Christ comes into your life, he changes you into a new person. Now, you still have challenges, okay? The flesh is still there. It's, he's killed it, but it's still like a snake. It's kind of still there. It can still buy you. And I know that because my wife had an accident this week. And right when, she's fine. <clears throat> and, uh, but I was, I was going into Highway 11. There's this road, in, in, uh, if you're from somewhere else, in Oak Grove that was made for like 10 cars. Um, by the people that laid it out. <clears throat> and, and they dumped thousands of cars onto this one road, and people run into each other all the time. Uh, I think we need to do a class action lawsuit, uh, one call, that's all. But the reality is, like, every, every day there's wrecks in there. So, so I just kind of get in the turn lane, you know, because, hey, you know, I only got three lanes for 3,000 cars. And so now if, you're, now, if you came up with it and you go to our church, I think you're doing a good job. But the reality is I kind of go in, and I saw, I look back, and I thought, that looks like my wife. It was her. And so I, I pulled my car, went over to the side, you know, and I could see she was calling. She called the police, and she, she was dialing my number, and it was like the Holy Spirit, man. I just showed up like, the man is here. And, uh, and so she's like, I can't believe you're here. I said, I know, babe, that's what I do for you. And, uh, and so we're talking, and she goes, I'm just so shaken up. And she said, check on the look on the back. So I'll go back there and check on her. She's crying, you know. She's upset, you know. She just tore her mama's car up. And, and, you know, we wait, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Cars are everywhere. People honk out, brother, yeah, what's up? I'm like, no, man, no, just stop, okay? Like, I got, you know, things are going on here. Like, my flesh, like, I was, I could feel me getting out of the spirit into the flesh. And, and so after 30 minutes and nobody showed up, I'm like, really? So I called the popo and I said, hey, where are y'all? I said, is what, there bank robberies in Hattiesburg? This this ain't New York City. And then all of a sudden, he kind of called me like, whoa, what are you doing? You know all the policemen. You, you know all the fire. <laughs> so then all, everybody showed up. Hey, brother, Jeff. Hey, brother. I'm thinking, what was I doing? Say, so it's your flesh. I mean, you, you never get away from it, man. Like, this is what scares me when you go off to college. You know, you know, you, you kind of, you're rolling, you know, like, oh, you're rolling. Oh, you know Jesus, but you haven't spent any time with him, okay? And all of a sudden, you know, the, the flesh is growing in you, and your spirit is kind of going down in you. And all of a sudden, you realize, oh, he's resident. He just ain't president. Then you get in a bad spot, the wrong place at the wrong time. You get in trouble.
And then you start going, the devil starts going, you know, God didn't care about you. God made you this way. You, you need to go for it. You don't need to worry about that. You don't have any limitations. You need to just go, run. You just go for it. Go. Now the Spirit's going, don't listen to that. Don't, don't listen to that. Pull back from that. Because listen, let me tell you something. Until you have Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit resides in you, and unless you cultivate the Spirit of God through spending time with God and through prayer and through, through accountability and fellowship, man, you don't have the power to overcome all the things that are coming through your flesh. Listen, the enemy and the world and your flesh, they've teamed up against you. And I'm here to tell you, man, you need God in your life to save you, to help you, but to give you the best life. Now, now I was afraid that you wouldn't believe me, so I want to use Tom Cruise to help me because I know he's real popular right now. And I want him to try to get across to you the point I'm trying to make about when, when you have Christ in your life and you cultivate the Holy Spirit, how it helps you and how you have to have it or you're in trouble. So I want you to see this. Your life expectancy is like here. With me, it's here. Without me, here. With me, without me. With me, without me. With Christ, here. Without Christ in your life, here. I don't believe that. That's fine. You, you, you roll on. Without Jesus in your relationships, here. With Jesus in your relationship, here. Oh, I don't need this in my family. I don't need Jesus in my family. Without your, Jesus in your family, you're right here. With him, you're here. Can I make that any clearer? You say, well, I don't believe it. You don't have to believe it, man. You, you just roll on. See, this is the great news about where I am in my spiritual life. I understand that if you don't want to believe the truth, that's between you and God. But that God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He wants to live with you. He wants to live inside you. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to give you everything you've dreamed of and everything he's dreamed of for you. But you got to do it his way. <laughs> you have to cultivate a relationship with him. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He says, you know, when I, when I came to know Jesus, all those things I did religiously, he said, I kept the law. I was flawless. He said, I was a Pharisee. I was circumcised on the eighth day. He said, man, I was flawless. But then I realized that is nothing without a relationship with Jesus coming into my life where I placed my trust in what he did for me on the cross. The Spirit of God comes into your life. Everybody that gets saved. It's not a, a new thing or a unique thing or make you act weird. It, it's power. But with that, he says in Galatians 5.24, you have to keep putting to death the deeds of the flesh because it's always there. It's always nipping at your heels. You say, but you don't understand, Brother Jeff. Like, like you don't understand all the temptations I go through. There's no way I could say no. First Corinthians 10, 13 says there's no temptation that is overtaking you, but such as is common to mankind. In every temptation, God will make a way for you to escape. But you've got to take that escape hatch. And you can't do that if you're not cultivating a relationship with Jesus Christ every single day. You say, well, why are you getting so stoked up about this? Because you've got a predator that's after you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you not 
unnoticed around us, like in our, in our country, not just in our world, but in our country, locally. How criminals have become emboldened. Have you not noticed how dangerous it is to live in the world we're in right now? To go jogging early in the morning? Say, well, that was in Memphis. You know, nobody should even go outside. No. It's everywhere. You need Christ with you. I don't know if you remember the guy, his name was Tim Treadwell, the bear guy. Do you remember that? Uh, National Geographic, you probably saw this. Like, he was the bear guy. He, he, he went out with the bears. You know, he was going to protect the bears. You remember that guy? And uh, he would go out with the bears. He was, he was living with the bears. He said, you know, I'm willing to give my life for the bears. And, and because I'm afraid somebody's going to kill a bear, I'm going to go out and live with the bears. And he's petting the bears. And he's feeding the bears. And everybody looks is going, you're crazy. You don't need to do that. And so he tells his girlfriend, hey, why don't you come with me? Because we're going to live with the bears. She goes, oh, I would love that. Let's live with the bears. And so they're living with the bears and they're in a tent then all of a sudden one day I guess a bear got mad I don't know what happened I mean I thought they were apex predators I didn't know you couldn't live with the bears I mean you tell me you can't live with the bears you can't live with the bears because then they had the recording and I had to listen to it I had to listen to it I'm sick like that I had to listen to it and you hear all these bones breaking and you're going whoa that's crazy that's crazy how many people are living with the bears I got this. Come on, honey. This ain't no. Come on. Come on. You got a predator. The Bible says nothing formed against you will prosper. He said, that's just a psycho Bible. That's just, no, 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 no. No, you need a savior. You need a shepherd to live your life in your own strength without the Spirit of God is to have the same result of being hurt. When you get tired and you don't make room for God in your life, tired decision makers make bad decisions. Paul says in Galatians, he said, if you continue, now this is, look, look, I'm struggling with you, man. I get this, man. Like, like I understand the discipline it takes to, to kind of cultivate a relationship with Jesus and cultivate a time in his word and get alone and, and be quiet. But if you keep sowing to the flesh, you keep doing whatever you feel like doing, all your urges, you keep going in that direction, he says, you'll reap destruction every single time. It's like planting corn and going, I bet watermelon's going to come up. No, no, if you, if you keep sowing to the flesh, of the flesh you're going to reap destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, so of the Spirit, man, you will have life. And have life abundantly. You say, well, that, that, those are real basic points. For Jesus, you're dead in your sins. Yeah. When you ask Jesus to come into your life, he gives you a new heart and mind and you have life, but it's got to be cultivated. But let me give you the one big idea that I want to leave you with. And it's something I want you to take with it. Even a baby could do. Is come to the table. Find you a place where you can sit down and you can begin to ask God to reveal himself to you. Where you can be all alone, where you can be quiet, 
And where you can say, God, show me the things you want to show me. You say, that sounds like voodoo. No, no, no. You know, if you've got a relationship with somebody and, and you kind of slow things down and you begin to talk about things that really matter, all of a sudden you deepen your relationship. That things become clearer. I do this at my house um, in my kitchen table and I've done it for... I guess 27 years at the same chair, the same table. I think there's marks where my elbows have been because I've done it for so long. But, but it's finding a table. Do you know why? Because you spend about four hours every day just distracted. Distracted by your phone. Hey, look, I'm, I'm not being ugly. I do too. Like, I, I get it. Like, like you're flipping, you know, flipping. Oh, look at this on Instagram. Oh, look at this on, on TikTok. Oh, look at this on Flip Flop. And then, oh, you know, you, before you know it, you're driving down the road. That's probably what happened to my wife. You're driving down the road. Oh, I didn't see you. Oh, yeah, I know. You're, anyway, <clears throat> so, so but, but you're distracted. Say three or four. Anybody spend less than three hours on some device, um, some device, like social media device or something? You spend less than three hours a day. One person, okay, and, and do you have a rotary dial phone or is it, do you have a rotary? flip phone? Okay, I mean, anyway, here, here's the reality. Most of us, thank you for sharing that, most of us spend three or four hours. And, and then you get into what I call the dailies where you're going to work and you got to get, you got to go to work and you got to get kids ready, you got to get kids home, you got to get everybody bathed, you got to get in the bed, you got to get ready for school, you got to get back, you got to do your homework. Oh, yeah, you got to practice. Oh, you got, you got a game this weekend. Got that, that's another 10 or 11 hours. How much time do you have left for anything that's really going on deep in your heart? Time to look in the basement of your heart. Those closets in your heart. To find the root of the bad fruit in your life. You, you won't do that until you come to the table. A few weeks ago, I met with uh, preachers from all over the country. And they're about my age. And we sat around a table. I mean, just a regular table. I mean, you can do this with your family. Like, say, hey, we're going we're gonna to have, we're going to sit around the table one night this week. And, and they'll say, what? What is that? You mean, I thought we went through McDonald's. Say, no, there's a thing that they do now where you get at this table and, and like we get food and we sit it down on the table and, and we talk. It's a new thing they're trying now in America. And, and you can ask questions like, hey, did, what was the best thing about your day? That, put all the put all the uh, the phones down. Say I will slap you to China. You, you put them all down. Put them all. But you have to do that. They won't put them down. Put put them all down. Get back. Not put your shirt on. Right, get over here. Right. What's the best thing happened to you today? What was the worst thing that happened today? What are you struggling with? That's all we did. Those guys started going around the table, and I started weeping. I started weeping to hear the stories that was in these guys' hearts. Listen, un un until you are known. See, God already knows everything that's in the recesses of your heart that you are running from. But, but until you begin to give that up to him, you can't be healed. There is so much brokenness in you. You say, you don't know that. Yeah, I know that. I see it on your face. I know many of your stories. 
You live in a broken world. You, you have a broken heart. You've got an enemy that's trying to destroy you and people around you that have taken advantage of you. Come to the table. Say, God, I need you. I need you, God, in my life. There, there are times when, when I'll get, I don't use, can we just keep this between us? There are times I'll climb in the bed and I'll lock the door and I'll just, I'll just lay in the bed and say, God, I love you so much. I need you so badly. I need you in my life. I need you greater in my life. I need you to help me, God. And it's shocking what he does. Listen, when you come to the table, you'll find a relationship with a Lord that loves you in spite of all the things that have ever been done to you or that you've ever done. There was one guy at the table. He was so wrecked. <laughs> he was so wrecked, man, that he wrote this. And I'm going to read it to you. He said, it's no small thing to convene here. Each of us possessors, carriers of influence, vision, grit, and wisdom have momentarily entrusted our lives' work into the hands of those we have trained and empowered. We've gathered from different locations, backgrounds, and have taken very different journeys in every respect to be here. Still, all have arrived at this place, and that is no small thing. He says, around this table, we choose to take time to be together. Here we voluntarily and collectively unburden ourselves bit by bit. We understand it takes time for a person to break free from the urgent, the unimportant things in his life. It always takes time. We laugh loud together at this table. We feast like kings here. We take chances here. We win and lose here. We choose trust here. Each of us is better in some way because we are here. But this is no ordinary table. It is bigger than the room it occupies. Its corners are growing. Its table of influence that's been built for leaders, built for kings. It's like King Solomon's table. Solomon would influence the known world in his day as kings and queens of the earth would sit at his table to break bread with him to inquire of the wisdom that he got from his God. It's like the table dreamt by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. This dream was conceived in the mind of a man who was a king by virtue of both his name and his conduct rather than his position or office. Still, this king would impact the course of history. His legacy does. In Washington, D.C., when he prophesied, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit together at the table of brotherhood. This is no ordinary table. It's like King David's table, the ancient leader, the poet warrior, the shepherd king, would capture the essential character of God by his writing these words, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just as God prepared tables for King David, King Solomon, Dr. King, and other great kings who've gone before us, he's done the same for this still-forming band of brothers and sisters. God prepared this table, this refuge, this moment for a motley crew 
An unlikely blended family made up of warriors and shepherds and romantics and poets and kings and sages. It is no small thing to gather around this table. God has prepared it only for those whose lives will in some way impact the course of history. God's prepared a table for you. Not just me. You. That's how important you are. He loves you. If you'd been the only person on this earth, a holy God would have sent his son to die for you and the Holy Spirit to live inside you to give you victory. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. He's got you. Just come back to the table. Come back to a friendship with Jesus Christ. Let him give you power to overcome things that you're failing in right now. That's what he does. It's his job. Would you bow your heads before we have a moment to come to the table and just take a second to ask God to speak to our hearts, to open up some of those closets, shine lights in some of those corners for God to say, I love you. I see you and I love you. Father, I thank you that you are such a good God. Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that you never give up on me. And God, as often as I'm willing to come to the table and just be still, you meet me there. Father, speak to our hearts. Draw us to you. Keep us from the enemy. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.